Hello and welcome to another episode of The Salty Catholic. I am your host, Enes Kesto, a.k.a. The Salty Catholic. Now, if you'll notice, I did uh, change the intro music to my show because I figure church bells just sound a lot more Catholic than whatever crap I had before. And let's be honest, church bells are just more calming and they just kind of get you in that mood. They get you in that spirit. So anyway, let's move on with the show. And today I wanted to discuss the top misused or misquoted Bible verses that we hear around, whether they be on TV or from friends or from Bible studies or wherever you go. And now we can probably do hundreds of episodes on many Bible verses that get taken out of context or get misinterpreted or misused. And I decided to pick the four that I most frequently hear. And I'm going to kind of tell you what people think it means and then tell you what it actually means when I put it in context with scripture. And so the very first one, which I'm sure many people have heard, is that money is the root of all evil. Uh, This one is probably the most commonly misquoted one, which is the reason why it's so misunderstood and taken totally out of context. Uh, First thing, that's actually not even the Bible verse itself. That's not what the Bible verse says. It actually comes from a letter of St. Paul to Timothy, the first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verse 10, which says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, and some people in their desire to have it strayed away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. So, the love of money is the root of all evil. The verse doesn't say that money itself is evil, because tangible objects can't be evil within themselves. It's how you use these objects that can be evil. The love for money is what's evil. The first commandment tells us not to worship anything or anyone other than God himself. And even Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Jesus is making a clear distinction that our love and desire for money over the love of God is what's sinful. So when St. Paul talks about you know money being the root of all evil, uh, it does not mean that having money is bad. I mean, there are many rich people who are good people, just as there are many poor people who don't have money that are bad people. And some of these rich people can do good things with their money. Some examples, they may be giving away to uh, many charities who help out people, who help out the less fortunate. Uh, they could be using their money to open up a business to employ people so they can provide people with jobs to be able to provide for their family. Uh, There are people who use their money to build homes and housings for people to live. So money can be used for good. Rich people can be good. It's just that the way the money is used and the love to have more of it, that's when it could be dangerous. So to recap, money, not evil. Love of money is the root of all evil. All right. Let's move on to the next Bible verse, which goes like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a direct quote from Philippians 4.13. And man, I know I'm going to be Captain Buzzkill and I'm going to burst so many bubbles uh, for most people listening because I know this is a favorite Bible verse uh, for many. People put on t-shirts, wear it on jewelry, they put on their bumper stickers. I even have a friend who has it tattooed on her wrist. And to this friend, if you're listening, please skip the next section or you're going to want to punch me right in the face. 
So many people quote this and believe that it means that through Jesus, we can overcome all sorts of circumstances and succeed in all things. That I can you know, become a famous singer or play professional sports or whatever we want. It's like that cliche line, you could do anything you set your mind to. Sorry, but no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but not every one of us can be anything we set our minds to. Uh, that's just unrealistic. I can't be an NBA player because of my height, no matter how much I set my mind to it. But that obviously doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard to achieve some of our goals. But if we're being realistic, there are millions of of people who want to be professional singers or professional athletes, and yet only a small fraction of them make it. So does this mean that the ones who didn't just didn't work hard or didn't work as hard or just didn't have enough strength or willingness to get there or didn't have enough faith in Jesus to be a professional uh, singer or an athlete or rich and famous or whatever it is? Of course not. So going back to the verse, when we read the first, uh, not the first, just a few verses before that, uh, just before I read them, we need to realize that Paul was writing this while he was in prison, waiting for his trial, and uh, there was a huge possibility that he was going to be put to death. So at this point, he had made peace with the fact that, hey, I may be executed for preaching the gospel. So before he gets uh, to this verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. And then he goes on to say, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence... And if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. So he's telling the Philippians to do all of these things. And then he tells them, I know indeed how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. And then he ends it with, I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. Or in other translations, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Which is to say, I could do all of these things I just told you to do because of Jesus. I can overcome my anxiety and fear of death and keep preaching because of the powers of Jesus. So I'm sorry to all those who are short like me and think they can dunk a basketball because they believe this verse means that, but it just ain't happening. What this verse is really talking about is overcoming your fear of preaching the gospel, overcoming your anxiety of worrying about the world, worrying about what you're going to do next or where you're going to be and what you're going to do. Those are the things that you can do. All of these things you can overcome through Christ who strengthens you. All right. Two more verses to go through and then we'll end. This episode is going to be fairly short, but it's okay. I'm sure you, you'd rather not hear me talk too much. So the other Bible verse I want to go through is Revelation 3.16. Uh, before I say that, um, it's Revelation, not Revelations. That's another thing people get wrong uh, while we're on this verse, is that they say Revelations. It's just the book of Revelation. There was only one Revelation given to John, not many Revelations. So... Um, yeah, that actually, I learned that recently and I used to make that same mistake, so don't feel guilty. 
But anyway, going to Revelation 3.16, where it says, I know your works. I know that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So in Greek, it's closer to like vomit out of my mouth, uh, not just spit. And I can say that at least I share this with Jesus. I absolutely despise lukewarm drinks. If you're the type of person who doesn't like drinks, either ice cold or piping hot, you're weird. That's that's all I have to say. Uh, The most common interpretation of this or misinterpretation of this verse is that Jesus wants you either to be hot in union with him or cold be just completely separated from him. If you're on the fence and kind of like in between, then he'll just reject you. You're either with him or you're against him. That's usually how people interpret it. But this interpretation wouldn't make any sense. Why would Jesus want or rather you be cold? Jesus desires all to be saved. He even took a form of a man and suffered a horrible death to purchase our salvation with his blood. So why would he rather someone be against him? It just wouldn't make any sense. Why would he say something like this? So to understand this, we need to read it the way the author's uh, audience would have read it. So the Apostle John wrote this. Uh, He wrote chapters 2 and 3, and Jesus was sending message to seven churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. In this section uh, where the verse is located, it begins with, To the church of Laodicea. I think that's how it's pronounced. If I'm mispronouncing it, then I'm going to keep mispronouncing it the whole episode and just suffer through it. But he begins saying, to the church of Laodicea. So we need to see it through their perspective. So the city of Laodicea sat between two other cities where one side had cold spring water used for drinking and the other side had hot salt water and it was used for cooking and bathing. So Laodicea, which sat right in between the two, had only one stream of water and it was lukewarm and it was also kind of dirty so they only really used the water for plumbing and i'm sure you can imagine why no one would want to drink from it it's like drinking toilet water basically jesus wants you to be hot or cold that is to say he wants you to be someone who is useful and has a purpose don't be that lukewarm water used to clean toilets so don't be poop water that's what jesus is saying because well He's going to vomit you out. I'm sure if you drank some poop water, you would want to vomit it out. So again, don't be lukewarm. Be an ice cap or hot chocolate. You know, be water that's going to be useful. Don't be room temperature coffee. So I hope that kind of clears up uh, this verse. And last but not least, and my favorite one, because this one gets used and abused so much, and it is judge not lest you be judged. This comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And uh, usually this quote is said something like, only God can judge me, or who are you to judge me, or to judge anyone? Judging, judging is bad. Okay, let's start by saying that the phrase, only God can judge me, it comes from Tupac. It doesn't come from the Bible. It's a title of a Tupac song, okay? Only God can judge me. Go Look up the song. Nowhere else was it written in the Bible or no historian or no nobody else had used it before Tupac. So I don't know where people got only God can judge me besides him, really. But people interpret this verse to mean that no one has the authority to assert that there is an absolute right or wrong. And that usually leads people to make a claim that morality is subjective. It's easy to say morality is subjective when you tell people, don't judge me, only God can judge me, who are you to judge? 
But if this verse really means that humans should stop judging other humans altogether, that means we just need to get rid of the justice system and just let God punish criminals here on earth. Of course it sounds absurd, because it is absurd. So if we just read the next four verses that come after this, we'll get the full picture. And we'll know that it doesn't mean that God says, just don't judge anyone for anything at all. So if we read um, Matthew chapter 7, if we go from uh, verse 1, which says, Judge not, lest you be judged. Jesus continues to say, For as you judge, so will you be judged. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me remove that splinter from your eye while the wooden beam is in your eye? You hypocrite. Remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. So this don't judge me mentality is the reason why many Christians just stopped coming to church or even just left the faith alone, or even worse, became liberal Christians. It's because they don't want to be bothered by these hypocrites that Jesus talks about uh, at church casting judgments to everyone but themselves. But let's make something clear very quickly. A hypocrite isn't somebody who fails to live up to their own moral standards because we all fail that way. A hypocrite is someone who expects the law, whether it's the law of God or law of man, to apply to everyone but himself. So for example, if I tell you that watching pornography is bad and it's very destructive, uh, it can lead you to many ruins and is just one of the gravest evils, but I myself watch porn and presumably I repent by going to confession, praying to God, asking for his mercy and grace to help me break free of the sin, that does not make me a hypocrite. It doesn't even make me a hypocrite if I don't admit that to you. Uh, but if I tell you to stop watching porn, but make excuses to justify why I, it's okay for me to keep watching it, that's what makes me a hypocrite. Uh, so the idea that we can't preach something or point out somebody's sin unless we're perfected, we can't preach against pornography or sexuality in this unless we're perfected in purity, or that we can't preach about pride unless we're perfected in humility, uh, then we would never be able to preach. How could we even? We wouldn't even be able to share the gospel at this point. This verse is not about judgment. It's about hypocrisy. And I think it's important to remember, a hypocrite isn't somebody who fails to live up to their own moral standards. A hypocrite is somebody who expects the standards to be applied to everyone else but themselves. We all make mistakes. We are all sinners. And as long as I know that I am sinner, I'm aware of my sins and why they are bad for me, why they are destroying me, and I am working on them, then I have all the right to point them out to my to my brothers and sisters so that they can also, you know, join me in breaking free of this sin. In other words, we can judge someone's actions, but we can't condemn them or pass the ultimate judgment, telling them that they're going to hell because it's not our job. My job is not to tell somebody that they're going to hell because they just sinned. My job is to tell them to repent of that sin the same way I am repenting of that sin. In fact, it is our job to judge others' wrongdoing because we are called to love one another. If I don't love or care about somebody, why would I want to point out what they're doing is wrong or why they would, it would be destructive for their lifestyle or to tell them to repent? Letting somebody doing whatever they want and just, you know what? you do you, I'm going to do me as long as we don't bother each other. That's the opposite of loving somebody. If I see somebody about to jump off a bridge, whether that person is somebody I know or whether it's that somebody is a total stranger, I'm going to want to go and talk them out of it because I love them. 
They are a child of God. They are my brother and sister through Christ. I'm not going to say, you know what? That's not That guy's not hurting me. He's not harming me. That's his life. Let him do whatever he wants. I'm just going to cross the other side of the street and just walk away. Let him do what he needs to do. Quite the opposite. I'm not judging him. I'm not condemning him to anything but I am judging his action, telling him that this is not what he's supposed to be doing. And we could do the same thing with sins. Doesn't matter. Name any sin. Um, especially when we start preaching against the two major hot button issues in our culture, which is abortion and just hypersexuality. And by hypersexuality, I am including any sexual acts outside of the context of marriage, which sleeping around with multiple partners, um, homosexuality, pornography, all that stuff. When we point these stuff out, it is not being hypocritical to explain why they are destructive, not just to the person, but to the entire culture. This mindset is destructive to the entire culture. Just because we sin, it doesn't mean we cannot point out other people's sins. It's like saying I can't point out someone's arm is bleeding just because my arm bleeds too. So just to recap, judge not lest you be judged. It doesn't mean I can't judge somebody's sin or tell them that they're doing something wrong. It does not mean that at all. It just means that I can't be a hypocrite. I can't tell you not to do something, but it's okay for me to do that thing that I'm telling you not to do. So I hope that kind of clears this up and that kind of brings me to the end of this episode. I've talked way too much and, uh, you know, I hope you learned something new today and I would really like to uh, thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the show. Please don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and your family uh, and just give me an honest review. If I suck... Just let me know. If I'm annoying, let me know. Whatever it is. If I'm doing good, let me know. Uh, but if you'd like to make any suggestions, just let me know. Send me a message. Um, for those of you that don't know how to get a hold of me, that's too bad for right now. Um, I might set up an email for the show later so that you can send me some comments, questions, suggestions for future episodes and uh, all sorts of things. So uh, with this, I am going to leave you. God bless you all. I am the Salty Catholic and I will see you next time.